0: we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, your Senior Pastor Dan Willis. You know, friends, uh, I'm forever uh, saying the wrong thing. Anybody doing that besides me? Don't be laughing at me, laugh at yourself too, because you, you all do it as well. Uh, you know, uh, I, as I was looking at this passage, oh, I don't know, I, I think in January or sometimes when I actually, maybe December, I put this together. And uh, when I was doing that, uh, it was interesting to me that I automatically thought, well, you know, what am I going to say about this particular part of it when he's talking about the tongue? I mean, you know, there's only one thing to say about it, we know what it means, and and then I began to read between the lines, and it dawned on me that I wasn't getting the depth of what James was trying to say. And so I said, Lord, you better, you better explain this to me because I, I don't think I've gotten it all the way. Have you ever done that when you read the Scripture, thinking, God, maybe you better explain this a little deeper to me because I think there's more here than I always thought. How many of you read the Scripture and find deeper things than you did last time? Even if it's something you read over and over again, yeah? God's forever teaching us and taking us into deeper things, isn't he? This particular message, life lessons from James, controlling the powerful tongue. That's hard to do, isn't it? I mean, there's lots of times that there's something you want to say, but you're like, "How, how many have you ever done this?" Yeah, and then immediately, then you say it anyhow, right? Who's done that before? Yep, yeah. and then you're like, "Shouldn't have done that," right? You know. And then there's those times that you meant to say something, and it didn't come out right. Or you meant you said something that you meant to say, but you're sorry you did it immediately. Or there's those times that you said something, and someone gets offended or flips out, and you're like, ah, oh, that's not what I said. And then they repeat back what you said, and you're like, well, that's what I said, but that's not what I meant, right? That happens enough, doesn't it? <laughs> my brother-in-law and I were talking a number of years ago, and I didn't, I didn't know my brothers in law very well. I hadn't spent a lot of time with them. And to be quite honest with you, they, they came from a different world than I did. And so, uh, I, you know, I, I just happened to marry their, their sister, <laughs> you know. And uh, anybody in that situation, we just married into this family, and you don't understand the family you married into. Anybody? I'm the only one, right? No. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe your family's here, and you're afraid to tell them. But anyway, so, you know, so I, we, we were sitting down, we were talking, and, and he said, he asked me, well, how well do you know, uh, you know, the, my other brother? And I said, well, better than you. And he said, uh, I don't think so, but I grew up with him. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I mean, I know him better than I know you. He's, oh, okay. <laughs> see how that came out? It could, be, it could be taken either way, you see. It's real easy. Of course, I didn't know him better than his brother knew him, but I knew him better than I knew him. So, it, it, it just these things happen, you see, and you, and you didn't mean it that way. And then they, you got to wait for them to go on this long tirade before they finally finish. You're like, okay, now what I really said was this. <laughs> what I really meant was this, yeah? And that, that's, that's life, you know. And so, if you would, take your Bibles and turn with me to James chapter 3. And looking at the uh, first 12 verses, we find that James has something to say about the tongue. And in some ways, it may seem like, gosh... What exactly is he saying? And then, I thought I understood this. And then, is he contradicting himself or other parts of the Scripture, or what's going on here? And I think you'll find quickly that he is not. He says, not many of you should presume to be teachers. Now, wait a minute here. We're talking about taming the tongue, and you're talking about teachers. You see my confusion? You see where I said, God, you better enlighten me as to what you're trying to say here. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses or make them, to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants it to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself, get this, set on fire by hell. Now, we're going to have to come back to that one. All kinds of birds, reptiles, animals, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. I want to meet the person that tames sharks, by the way. Just just saying. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now, that I understand. Right? Because not only have I received the venom from it, I've poured it out at times. Anybody? With the tongue, get this, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness, and if we're going to do that, put this in your head, we're actually cursing God when we do it. Wow. Stunning. Out of the mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers, and this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Now, some animals are very small but quite dangerous. The coral snake is among the deadliest of North American snakes, but it is one of the smallest snakes in North America, and yet it is the most deadly that we have. How many of you knew that? Now, he can't just envenomize you very easily. He can't just envenomize you just by biting you. He's got to gnaw on you a little bit and chew on you. And I got to believe that I'd get him off before he chewed too much. But pit vipers, on the other hand, and we have those around here, uh, Vigo County, Hasn't seen a pit viper in quite some time that we know of. Uh, I've heard in southern Vigo County you might find a few. Uh, Probably not um, timber rattlesnakes, uh, but you might find a copperhead. Um, I know in Brown County I've seen them. Uh, In other counties I've seen them. They've been caught, uh, and you can find both snakes there. Uh, Now Vermillion County north of us does have them, both of them, actually. How Vigo County? I don't. I don't know. Maybe they. I don't. Who knows? But either way, you probably won't find them. But if you do, it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me because they're here. But they're rare. And if you see one, you'll know it. Trust me. And uh, looking at them in a glass tank or a cage is different than it is when there's nothing between you and them. And I have to tell you, I'm not really interested in being bitten by one. I've been bitten by snakes before, but they weren't poisonous, and I'm grateful for that. And these people that like to handle snakes and play with them and those snakes that are uh, venomous, I don't quite exactly understand that. And uh, there are even some churches down in Kentucky and Tennessee that do it. Yeah, so, you know, I, I, mean, I, I think that's tempting fate. <laughs> you call it what you want. But either way, I'm not a real fan of them. And I've noticed that the, the smallest of creatures sometimes, again, are the most deadly. It doesn't take something very large to do massive damage, now does it? The tongue is also incredibly small, but James says it's powerful, and I, I, I agree with him. It's very powerful. In fact, when we talk about the organs and parts of our body, the tongue isn't one that we necessarily think of as being completely necessary for life, although some people would just absolutely die if they couldn't talk. That's a joke, and then it isn't. (laughs) Yeah? You probably know somebody that would just about kill them if they couldn't talk. But anyway, uh, but the reason that we don't think of it as necessary for life is because it isn't. You can live without being able to speak. Did you know that? And there are are people, unfortunately, that do, yeah? Okay. And yet we use this particular organ just as much and often as any other part of our bodies. It's, It's also the one that seems to get us into the trouble the most. And I began to think about that, and I thought, well, how important is it to control the tongue? Well, first, we have to understand what James is talking about, because at first glance, it's not that simple. When we hear a statement of controlling the tongue, we most likely uh, think we know what somebody's talking about. Well, you know, that's easy. There's just certain things I shouldn't be, shouldn't be said, you know. My, my grandparents, my parents, you know, well, today they're not doing a very good job of it, some of them, but, but back in my day, every parent taught their kid there's things you should say and things you shouldn't, yeah? And if you said the wrong things, a lot of times you got a date with the bar of soap. Anybody remember those days? Mm-hmm. How many of you remember the days of the bar of soap? And, and, and they, listen, they didn't choose the good flavor or tasting stuff. They chose the life boy and the nastiest stuff out there, right? Grandma kept, and this is no kidding, my grandmother kept a bar of life boy just for that. You didn't, you didn't wash your hands with the life boy. It went in your mouth, okay? Because, and you know, and there were certain things that your parents and people around you, you spoke every day, but you went to grandma's house and said it, and brother, here come the life boy. Anybody? We all have a different opinion about what's naughty and what's not. What's appropriate and what's not, right? Okay? So that's that's the way things go. It's life, you know. But James is, is, is talking about more than that. Because we assume it means we should always say nice things and never slander, never use it in anger, or something of that nature. And James is saying, oh, yeah, 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 of course. But I'm beyond that. I'm beyond that. Okay. In fact, it isn't even how he begins this whole thing. Nor is it at his main concern. I mean, he almost is telling us that saying wrong things at the wrong time or whatever is that's hindsight, man. That's that's we're that train's already left the station. We're 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 well past that. And you should already know that if you're a Christian. And he's right. I mean, Thumper's mother uh, said that her. We never see Thumper's dad, but Thumper's dad said, "If you can't say something nice, yeah, you 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 you've watched those, haven't you? That's pretty good advice, yeah. So that's true, but we should know that, shouldn't we? And here's the thing: you shouldn't you shouldn't have to be a Christian. Or don't have to be a Christian to know that. That's just common sense. But Christ brings it. You know, the Christian life brings it to a new level, doesn't it? Okay it defines and refines what that is. But see, James says, we're past that. He's talking to Christians here that should have known all of these things. They're well past knowing that part. He goes deeper than that. Because even though all these things are true, the Bible tells us there's more. In fact, we need to find out what James is saying. In fact, he starts out by saying this, not everybody should teach. You're like, Shh, good, because I'm not a teacher. <laughs> How many of you thought that? Well, I don't have to worry about this. I can bypass this scripture because I'm not teaching. Come on, who, said, who thought it? Maybe some of you thought it. I'm off the hook. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not off the hook. And you know I'm not going to let you off the hook, don't you? Why? Because God doesn't. And it's, it's real clear here. So I begin to think, okay, so what does this mean? Because I know somebody's going to say, but I'm not teaching. The fact is, you are teaching, every one of you. And if you aren't, you should be. Okay? Basically, as important as teaching the truth is, James is saying that because it involves the use of the tongue, teaching can lead to sin. Why? Because the tongue is always teaching, good or bad, right or wrong, it always is. Isn't it? Hello? Hello? Wasn't sure you were still here. (laughs) Right or wrong, good or bad, the tongue is always teaching, isn't it? Have you ever uh, had something you wanted to tell somebody and there's little ones around and so you had to send them to the other room or cover their ears or whisper so nobody, yeah? Maybe we shouldn't be saying it at all then. I don't know, just a thought. But it's always teaching, isn't it? And sometimes, out of emotion, you blah, 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 and and you forgot the little one was there, and before you know it, you taught them something, that you had a temper for for one, number two, that you can't keep your mouth shut, and number three, there are certain things that you told them they can't say, but you can. Did you teach them that? Come on, friends, did you teach them that? Yes, you did. You know why? Because I've done it. And I'm not the only one in here who's done it, okay? I know that because that's who we are. You see, the new Jewish Christians wanted to be teachers and examples to others who were either new in the faith or seeking understanding. They thought that was a big deal. Since they had known the law their whole lives and all they did was convert to Christianity, they thought, well, we already know the whole basis of what Christ is here for anyway, so we can be teachers to people. And uh, Paul said, no, 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 you can't. And James says, no, you can't. We find in in, uh, Romans 2 and 1 Timothy 1 that, uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going to read it to you. It says, if you hear the name Jew and rely upon the law and boast in God, and you know his will and approve the things that are essential, being instructed out of the law and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, a corrector of the foolish, a teacher of the immature, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge of the truth, But the goal of our instruction is love from pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. For some men, straying from these things, have turned aside to fruitless discussion, wanting to be teachers of the law, even though they do not understand either what they are saying or the matters about which they make confident assertions. Now, let me boil that down for you. And you're like, good, because that was an awful lot. There are two problems here. One Some of them wanted to teach for the wrong reasons, and some people do, yeah, want to teach for the wrong reasons. They like the status that it gave them. Some people like the idea that they might have more knowledge of some things than other people do. Of course, you don't know anybody like that, do you? And so it puts them into this position of authority and understanding. When we know something that others don't, we walk around like, hmm, After all, none of us wants to be the one who's new at something, and certainly no one wants to be the one who doesn't know what to do or have understanding of whatever it is we're involved in. Nobody likes to be the newbie on the block that doesn't know. It's like, what am I, late to the party? Then you've got to be filled in, and the same person's going to tell the same thing like four or five times over because somebody's always late to the party. Suppose you start a new job. You aren't very proficient, typically. Because you don't know the procedures, and maybe the equipment is new to you, and you certainly don't know how your company operates. Now, you might have experience in that particular job somewhere else, but let's face it, everybody's different. Yeah? We've all been there, and you get excited to start a new job, but you know you're not going to be real efficient from the beginning, and they probably know that, and they give you time to get there. Yeah? You would think. Okay? So... Say you have a, a little time uh, there and, you're, and your new employers begin to allow you to uh, get plugged in and but but you still don't know what you're doing and so you have to ask for help Help from those who've been around for a while and all the time this is happening you wish you knew more and can't wait until you do because you'll fit in better when you know more feel like you're pulling your weight like you don't have to ask for help and guess what? Everybody wants to be the person that's been there a while. And we sometimes in, uh, embellish a little bit. Well, how long you been over so-and-so? Oh, you know, and you always add a few weeks or months because nobody wants to be new at something. It's weird, but it's true. You see, this is just life. The new Jewish Christians were the same way, so they went back to the law that they thought they knew, and they tried to be a veteran Christian rather than one who was learning the ins and outs of Christianity. They they understood the law, but they didn't know how to apply it, and they didn't have the right heart to do it. The new heart they just got, see? And Jesus knew it from the beginning, but they didn't. But they thought they did. And guess what? The disciples thought the same thing when Jesus started teaching them, didn't they? And, you know, I don't know about you, but I got to think that maybe walk along with Jesus. You know, he just called you to be his disciple, you know. And so you're excited about being the ones following him. You're out there doing your thing, you know. And then, uh, and then you, he says something or whatever, and then you quote scripture to him. Probably not a good thing to do. My guess is he would have said, oh, wait, well, wait a minute. Okay. <laughs> you know, the enemy's good at quoting scripture to you, too. He'll twist it. But he'll quote it, yeah? Uh, Tell you what, we'll come back to that. There's a second problem we have here. Because these people that were teaching didn't know what they were talking about. They were teaching wrong things. This is one of my biggest pet peeves because it stuns me how many people have opinions about things and yet they have no idea what they're talking about. It happens in life, happens in politics, happens in history, you name it. And yes, it happens in religion as well. And I'm gonna come to an example of that, but I wanna start, uh, okay. So a number of years ago, uh, we had uh, uh, an individual who was running for president and, uh, and I did not support this individual at all. I mean zero. I didn't support this person because this person, in my opinion, was a socialist, had wrong ideas, was very liberal. And what he thought and what he wanted to do, I thought would be bad for America. In fact, really couldn't even be done. Okay, now I don't think I need to tell you who that was. This individual, came, or this individual kid who, was, who couldn't have been more than about 19 years old, came to my doorstep and presumed to tell me about life. And he told me why, yes, we can. And I said, no, we can't. He said, yes, we can. I said, tell me how we're going to do it. Well, you know, he started telling me, and I'm like, well, bud, how are you? And I said, I got one question for you. How are we going to pay for that? Well, you know, I said, no, no, no. <laughs> but well, I said, what do you do for a living? What's your job? He goes, why? Well, I, I campaign for so-and-so. I said, well, that tells me an awful lot. That's all you do. And you're a graduate of high school, right? Yes, sir. And you're in college. Yep. And you're going to change the world, aren't you? Yep. are you going to do that. So why don't you go back into history and look at all the failures that we've had of things you're trying to do because every single society in the history of mankind that tried to do this failed miserably every one of them well no, don't don't well me go in your history book and tell me it's not true i mean this this is a conversation we had and then and then i said i'll tell you what i we don't even have to go that far i'm i am pro-life period and it will never well you're a one-issue voter That's all I need is one. You're immoral. That's all I need. One. That's enough for me. He looked at me. He said, well, I can't talk to you. You're darn straight. You can't. You shouldn't be talking to anybody. (laughs) You know? And I said, and you know what? I said, before you leave, let me give you one piece of advice. You do with it what you want. Before you come up with your own opinion, know what you're talking about. And number two. Find out the other person what they think and why before you just discount them. There's the thought. Well, you didn't do that to me. I already know what you think and why. But the problem is you can't prove or back up any of it up. Not a bit. And you know what? Eight years of it, and we didn't prove any of it. <laughs> Zero. So here's the thing. I can't stand it when people have opinions about what they don't know what you're talking about. Drives me crazy. Anybody in here with me on that? Okay, let, so, 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 so as much as that upsets us, let's, let's roll here just a little bit to the spiritual side. Am I right, Pastor Bob? That's what we're going to do right here. He knows what I'm talking about. We see it all the time. It stuns me that people who have no theological education know more about the Scripture than I do. Blows my mind. Now, if you have some or you've been a Christian for a long time, you've been in the Word of God, I'll listen to what you have to say. But if you don't, don't guess at it. Amen. And people are doing it all the time. This, this just blows my mind. You see, the problem here, people quote Scripture all the time. And, and some, sometimes what they're quoting isn't Scripture. Did you know that? God wants me to be happy. Well, it's not in there. I mean, it's, it's a great thought, but it's not there. Okay? I mean, it's true to a point, but it's not biblical. Well, if, if, you, uh, if you work hard enough, you'll be successful. Again, that's not in the scripture. I mean, I, li- I think you ought to work hard, and I think if you don't work hard, you ought not eat. That Bible does say that, okay? But the fact of the matter is, it doesn't say if you work hard, you're always going to be successful. In fact, I, I can think of a few inventors that worked awfully hard and weren't very successful. In fact, Edison could have told you about 8,000 ways not to make a light bulb. Yeah? God helps those who help themselves. Might be true, but it isn't in there. <laughs> is it? Love the sinner and hate the sin. Not in there. But we throw it around like it is. Now, the concept is there, but those words are not. God will never give you more than you can handle. How many of you thought that was in there? Not there. Now. Is there some things that indicate that? Yes, but those words are not. In fact, sometimes God gives us way more than we can handle, which is why we need Him. Anybody? Okay. The devil made me do it. (laughs) Flip Wilson said it, and I heard him say it every single week on television. Yeah? And he's long dead, and he's still saying it. Right? Because we all remember he said it. It's not in there. In fact, it's not scriptural because the devil can't make you do anything. <laughs> Can he? We're all God's children. Not in there. We are all God's creation. but We are not all God's children. In fact, you don't become God's child unless and until. Well, you accept Christ, ask for his forgiveness. And then stop sinful activity and live for him. That's when you're his child. Yeah? Okay. Here's one that I don't know that we think of a lot. I'm sorry for your loss. Heaven must have needed another angel. If you're trying to make somebody feel better, you probably didn't. (laughs) Right? Because all of a sudden, God needed your loved one more than you did. (laughs) Right? I mean... Humans don't become angels. That's never, ever. God, God created angels. He created humans, and we're different. Yeah? So where, where do we get that? I love, I love that you're, you're trying to help someone, that you're trying to make them feel better, but don't. Don't. I, I don't even know where to start with that, so I'll just make a statement that it's not there. Okay? All right. So friends, so these are things that we're quoting, and there's more. I could give you probably 10 more things that we say are in the Scripture. I wanted to use don't judge. The problem with it is Jesus does say don't judge, but then he goes on and says some more things that change the way we're using it. He said it would be better if you don't judge because you'll be judged more harshly yourself. But if you're going to judge, be sure that you are right. Okay? For it's easier to find and pull the plank out of your own eye than the speck in your, in, of your, in your brothers. And then he goes on to say that you should judge believers in the church, but not unbelievers. You know why? Because only God can judge whether someone's going to heaven or not. We cannot. But I can darn sure judge whether someone is involved in sinful activity or not. And so can you. And in fact, you are required and commanded to do exactly that. In fact, the Bible says that when you see a brother sinful or doing sinful things, go to them and tell them that they're doing it. Yes or no? And then if they don't listen, what should you do? Take another and go to them and tell them they're doing it. Well, if you you can't judge them, then how can you go tell them that? And then if they still don't listen, what should you do? Take the church elders to them and tell them that they're sinful. Yes or no? And then if they don't listen, what should you do? Throw them out. Did you hear me? Throw them out. Do you know that the world outside the walls of the church would blow a gasket if you said, throw somebody out of the church for any reason? And yet, what's in there and what isn't? No. The, see, society wants you to accept sinful behavior and not throw the evil brother out. And Paul even says it, cast the evil brother out. We'd rather bring sinfulness in. And I think to a point you have to do that to start. But when they don't get with the program sometime, and they're causing a problem in the church, off they go. So, you know, friends, if you want to get Real about what it is, let's look at the Scripture and see what it says. But see, we're guessing. There are churches out there, I promise you, that if somebody ever said, you can't come back here anymore, they would flip out and say, how could you ever tell somebody they can't come back? If they're causing problems, throw them out. Tell them out. Not my words, his. Now, here's the other thing. If, if, if the Scriptures we're quoting really aren't there, Is it possible that we sometimes wrongly interpret Scripture as well? Do you think it's possible that we need to even list those things? Friends, people in the church are misquoting and misrepresenting Scripture so much that the world doesn't know what to believe anymore. How right am I? I will simply say that although God loves all of us, hear me now, Even though God loves all of us, it doesn't mean He accepts all of us, nor all of our behavior. You're like, God accepts everyone. No, He doesn't. No, He doesn't. He doesn't accept disobedient sinners without a change of heart. In fact, they will be denied entry into heaven, yes or no? So then He didn't accept them, did He? Well, God accepts the people how how they are at the beginning when you don't know or didn't understand. But once you've been told and you refuse, different ballgame. Yes or no? Come on, yes or no? Okay. And God never accepts sinful activity no matter how much he loves us and no matter how we spin it. Period. Yes or no? So then why is the church teaching that that's not true? Why is the church saying that God does accept simple activity? You see, love sometimes says no, doesn't it? You see, not everybody, according to James, is qualified to teach. Now, this one is obvious, but Romans 12, Timothy 2 are very clear about it, and yet the scripture also says that all Christians should strive to become qualified to teach. And I know for a fact that some of you walked in the front door today and you never even gave a one thought about how you might be a teacher in the near future because you don't want to be. And yet God's called every single one of you to do just that. Every single one of you to do just that. He wants you to be qualified to teach so that when he calls you to do it, you can. And you know how you get qualified to teach? Pretty simple. Spend time there. Do I really need to come to Wednesday night, Sunday night? Yes, you do. Do I really need to come every time the doors are open? Yes, you do. Not a one of you is more busy than I am. Not a one of you is more busy than the other. Well, that that might not be 100% correct. But the fact is, everybody has 24 hours, yeah? And every one of you will choose to use those 24 hours any way you choose. And the fact is, some of us need to spend a little more time in the service and in the Word than we do. Yes or no? And if you aren't doing it, are you qualifying yourself to teach? No. Are you called to teach? Well, you're not sure yet, but I'm going to show you that you are. I'm going to show you that you are. You know I would, right? Okay? In fact, if you look at 1 Peter 3.15 and Hebrews 5.12, it absolutely 100% says you should all be qualified to teach. Every one of you. I remember one time, <laughs> this, this is hilarious. Okay, so whenever, when I was in eighth grade, I was in the band, you know, and so, and I was a trumpet player and, and, uh, and I played drums as well. And, and uh, we, okay, so whenever we would get a substitute teacher, kids like to do the unthinkable, switch chairs and instruments with somebody else. The problem with that is, you might get a substitute teacher that was a band teacher before and knows how to run an orchestra, and when they do it and they go to section by section, have you play something, you look around like you have no idea what you're about to do because you don't. And that happened more times than I can count. And I remember <laughs> this one kid's name was Dale Lesh. You don't know him, I know you don't. And did anybody know Dale Lesh? Oh, Dale, no. <laughs> <laughs> and Dale was a drummer, and he wasn't a really bright person, and he was always the person screwing around and horsing around. And, and, you, and if anybody probably had illegal substances on him, it was probably Dale. I, didn't, I never saw it, but I could guess he probably did. And so, anyway, so uh, Dale, for whatever reason, left the drum set that he didn't play very well anyway, and he was sitting down with the French horn section. And when he was called upon playing, all he did, he had his hand in the horn like he was supposed to, and he turned around and looked at everybody, and we just fell out. Because there's no way Dale knows how to play this thing. And the teacher said, son, have you had any lessons at all? he goes, not really. (laughs) You know, right? Unbelievable. And yet, (laughs) this stuff happens, you know. Well, that kid couldn't even play the thing, let alone teach it. And God is not saying that you should know everything about the Scripture either. Just like you can't know every instrument. I've known some people that could play just about anything they picked up. Did you? Boy, I'm jealous of that person. Yeah? But God has given each and every one of you a skill and an ability to learn. And you might not know everything about the Scripture, but God wants you to know enough that you can teach what He wants you to teach. And it's interesting. He'll always ask you to teach somebody something you just learned because God knows. You see And so I begin to think, well, why did James make this statement then that, nobody, that not everybody's qualified to teach if we're all supposed to be qualified to teach? Because there is a time to learn and there is a time to teach. Isn't there? And all of us has to do both, actually. We must learn before we can teach, and we must learn because we are all called to teach someone sometime. Isn't that interesting? It's a time to learn. There's a time to teach. Some people never get out of either one. So, God says there's a time for both. Perhaps more importantly, we're teachers, whether we realize it or not. Have you thought about that this morning? You're teaching by example by your opinions, and by what you believe, you're teaching somebody. Again, there are a lot of well-meaning Christians out there quoting Scripture that isn't Scripture and believing certain things that might seem right but aren't biblical. And guess what? We're teaching others to quote and believe wrongly as well when we do it. So if you turn around and say something like, well, God helps those who help themselves, or uh, love the sinner and hate the sin, or don't. It's not in there. And I've been guilty of the same thing. Out of the mouth comes the overflow of the heart. That's not exactly what it says. It's in there, but not exactly like that. And, but we've said it, yes or no. And, and, and the fact is, I'm gonna, we're, we're going to come back to that one too. Okay? Here's the other thing, friends. Teachers receive a stricter judgment. And that's maybe why we don't want to teach. Yeah. Possibility, isn't it? False teaching doesn't necessarily make you a false teacher, but it could, couldn't it? Okay? I mean, I suspect that I have taught false things before, not knowing I've taught false things. That doesn't make me a false teacher. It makes me uninformed and need to be better. Okay? But here's the thing. It would depend on how and why you are teaching falsely. And why do I ask that question? Well, it's simple. Because by false teaching, you can lead other people astray, particularly if you're doing it on purpose. And that would be a problem, wouldn't it? By speaking wrongly, you can drive others away. By a sinful lifestyle, you can cause others to fail and fall. In fact, if you really want to get technical about this, according to verse 2, it's very difficult not to sin with the tongue. Did you hear that? It's very difficult not to sin with the tongue. James is not saying that we can't keep from sinning. I mean, some people want to believe that that's what he said. That's not what he said. Okay? Romans 6, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 John 2 and 3, you know, is proof to us that we... we, (laughs) We give ourselves a crutch and a pass, but that's not not what he's saying. I know that many people want to believe and give humankind this crutch or pass by saying it's impossible not to sin. God never said that. God never said it's impossible not to sin. Okay? Because it's really just a proverbial statement. It might sound good and it might seem right, but it isn't. Yet, James is saying that the tongue is the most difficult part of the body to control. And he wasn't the only one to ever say that. In fact, I don't need James to tell me. I already know it. Anybody with me here? Now, notice that the honor James bestows upon a person who is righteous enough to control the tongue. Somebody who is able to control the tongue is considered righteous by James. He says they are, get this, perfect. If you're perfect enough to do that, wow. And so I thought, okay, well, whoa, whoa. I got to tear that apart. I got to blow that one up. We got to take a look at this, okay? What is he saying about that? What do you mean by that, James? How can I be perfect? And what he means is that the person who's able to do this has perfected the ability to keep all parts of the body under the control of the one who is perfect. And that would be Jesus Christ. That's how you become. You know how I know that? Jesus said, be like me in every regard. And what was he? Perfect, which means you can be. That's the only way it's possible. And that's what James is talking about, 100% what he's talking about. And while this is true, it immediately seems to allow us to think that we have an excuse to misuse the tongue. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. If we think we aren't righteous or we're not perfect, as James is saying, and a lot of people think that. A lot of people think, well, I I can't be righteous in this life. I can't be perfect in this life. We will say that because the devil wants us to believe that, right? I've heard people say it. I've heard Christians say it over and over and over again. I'm not perfect, and I'm never going to be perfect. Well, that's false. Well, okay, I won't be perfect in this life. Well, that's false, too. Because you, you could be. You might not be, but you could be. Because if it wasn't possible, would Jesus have commanded it? No. So is it possible? Well, John Wesley thought it was, and the more I look at it, the more I know he's right. Okay. Am I going to reach it? Probably not. But that doesn't mean I shouldn't try. Now, does it? And that's what he's, talk, he's talking about. You know, because here's what we'll say. Well, if we can't do it, why try? Why not just wait for the rapture and let Jesus pick up the slack? <laughs> do you know that there are Christians out there living that way? There are. If we can't do it, why bother? Why bother? Because Matthew 12 and James 1 says no, that's why. And when we talk about Matthew, (laughs) Jesus is talking. In any case, James says we can do it. And not only can we do it, but I mean, (laughs) if we can do that, what else can we do? If we can control the tongue, what else can we possibly do? Probably a lot. We can clearly control other bodily passions and avoid sinfulness. I know we can. We might not do it, but we can. And this is, this is serious business, friends. You can stop your sinning and control your sinful urges if you want to. But people tell me I can't. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. On your own, maybe not. But the more the Spirit that's in you, the more you can control it. Yes or no? Because if you say you can't do it, what you're really saying is that the Spirit in you can't do it. Either that or the Spirit ain't in you. It's one of the other friends. And what can God not do? What can His Spirit not do? Who among you Could he not save? Let me tell you, I know how bad I was and I wondered if he could. I now know that he can. That's right. So the fact is, it's on you. But we live in this age where we don't want it to be on us. We don't want responsibility. Do we? You know, friends, I'm not a clinical psychologist, but I could be if I took the boards, if I'd pass. But let me tell you something. We're using medications that we don't need to use sometimes. I'm not saying we should never use medication. Some people need them. I get it. But none of them are designed for long term. None of them. And not only that, God can do an awful lot more than we're letting him do in the lives of people. You know? And just... I was going to pray for it this morning, but I decided rather than pray for it, I want to tell you something about it. And Marson reminded me of it this morning when he came in. These two massive shootings that we just had, let me tell you something. You can blame whatever you want. You, the the president is going to get the, the, the blame for this. I know it. Now, the previous one wouldn't have, but this one will That's just stupid, okay? You can tell people I said that. All right, but here's the other thing. We're going to blame guns. Did guns walk up there and pull the trigger? Well, who did? People did. So what's the problem? Why why aren't we blaming mental illness? Why aren't we blaming self-control? Huh? Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't have stricter gun laws. You're not hearing me lobby for that. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that we shouldn't look into the backgrounds of mental illness of people that want guns. I'm not saying that. I have my own political opinions. I'll keep it to myself. But the fact of the matter is, don't blame an inanimate object for something somebody decided to go do. It's real simple. And God can change people because he changed me. Now, not that I ever wanted to go out and shoot people, but he changed me from things that I did like to do and did want to do and no longer do because of it. Anybody? There were times that I wanted to tell somebody off and I no longer will. Because it didn't have to me to do it anymore. Because God's got my back and I'll let him do it. Yeah? Just saying. And James says, if we can control the tongue, we can control the whole body. Remember, he said, we can control the tongue. And the Apostle Paul agrees. Then he says, we can control the whole body. And again, it might not be easy, but with the help of Christ through his spirit within us, we can do it. I know that. And then I began to think about that. And that was the biggest point. And I got two small points. And look at this. Why is controlling the tongue so important? Why is controlling the tongue so important? Well, because the tongue is like, a, a, a small bit that turns a large horse, a small rudder that turns a large ship, a small fire that ignites an inferno. And these are good examples because we don't typically realize the damage the tongue can or will do until it's already happened. Then you can't take it back. It's already started. And so, what damage does it inflict then? Well, the most important thing to consider isn't the hurt feelings. Or offending somebody, but that's the first thing we think about. We're worried about the damage that's caused by someone's feelings or something like that. And maybe that's a, a, a factor, but it's not the most important thing. And somebody's out there going, well, yes, yes, it is. No, it's not. Now, I want you to think about this with me. You're, 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 you're here with me, right? That's the first thing we worry about. Well, I hurt someone's feelings. Or, or I inflicted some sort of damage, or, or I offended somebody. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have regard for that. But I'm telling you, whether you're the one doing it or the one received it, either way, that is not the most important factor that you've got to worry about when it comes to the tongue. But it's the first thing we worry about. And let me tell you what the problem is. The most important thing to worry about is the salvation of people, period. Period. That's the most important thing to worry about, isn't it? Isn't the salvation of others more important than worrying about whether we offend them or not? Isn't it more important to worry about that than whether we hurt their feelings or not? I mean, uh, Pop tells me all the time that uh, he gets his toes stepped on all the time. And I, I think as a Christian, you probably do. I mean, because if you pick up the Word of God, God's going to step on your toes. Is, is God worried about offending you? Is he worried about hurting your feelings? I told a person one time, they are talking about different things, and I said, you know what? Your feelings do not matter. They do not count. What? That's what I said. Because in the end, what you feel and what you think and what you believe will not matter. But what he says will, well, I believe that if I'm a good person, I think that if I'm a good person, I think, well, I don't care what you think. God says you're not. Then if God says you're not saved, then you aren't. And you can't get saved by being a good person. So what you think and feel does not matter. And we get upset by that. But it's true. Here's the thing. If the most important thing to worry about is the salvation of people, and we've either said wrong things, lived wrong ways, or allowed others to believe their belief system and their practices are okay, then what we've done is eternal damage unless something changes. You are so worried about not offending or hurting their feelings that you said nothing about their salvation, nothing about their simple activity, and when Christ comes, they're not going to make it. And now what? Now what? Friends, there's no such thing in the church as a do-over. And I believe that there are people that are in the holding place that if they could think, would want a do-over. Huh? Sometimes a righteous Christian or someone who understands the word better than we do is just going to have to be the example in which Jesus can undo the damage and hopefully restore someone to the kingdom of God, and that's huge. And this this is what I want to tell you. God forbid that it would ever happen for me, because I'm going to tell you something, friends. If I'm the person that was afraid to hurt somebody's feelings or step on their toes or whatever you want to call it, and I didn't do diddly, Okay, and then one of you has to come alongside and speak the truth to him and and undo the damage that I allowed to happen. God's going to deal with me severely. And the the opposite is is, is true as well. It shouldn't be that it takes somebody else to come along and do it when you could have done it. Amen? It's a fact. And you know why we don't? Because we're afraid of their feelings. That's the truth, friends. We're afraid of their feelings. Afraid of offending them. I'd rather be offended and learn the truth than go to hell. How about you? Anybody? I mean, I say that now. I probably didn't think it then, but I do now. Okay? Now, I doubt that we think too much about the war within the faith, but Christians are warring against Christians for the truth. Did you know that? And the enemy knows if he can get Christians to war, well, he got nothing to worry about. Okay? He knows that he's, he's got it made at least until that time comes, they don't. All Christians think they know the truth. Regardless of how long they've been in the faith and how much they've been in the Word, they think they know the truth. You know what I know? Because they tell me they know the truth. When they argue with me about things that they don't know what they're talking about. And, and here's the thing. And what makes you think you know what you're talking about? Well, I was just reading it. And, and if, if I ever teach something or say something or dispute something and I can't back it with Scripture, then you call me on it right there. Amen? Have I not always said that to you? And every pastor that's worth anything ought to make the same claim. I'm not going to teach something that I can't back up word for word. That's the way it is. And neither should anybody else. You see? Those that think they know the truth, they believe their feelings and their beliefs are the biblical ones the way that Christ taught, and James is saying that that's just not true. And furthermore, we can see it today because there's an awful lot of Christians out there performing, allowing, and taking a backseat to sinful behavior, and the Bible's very clear about it right now, and they're doing it to anyone. because love, you know. Oh, come on. Really? what love would really do is say, stop, stop. I want you in eternity with me, wouldn't you? Because what you do today determines what happens tomorrow or not. Amen? Number three, the tongue is not tameable, yet it is powerful for good. It's not tameable, but it's powerful for good. Now, here's the thing. Well, if it's not tameable, what are we talking about here? You see, the tongue has incredible power to harm. In fact, basically, James is saying that an evil tongue can lead to an evil world, and it has, hasn't it? David said it was true in the Proverbs. James even says that the poor tongue can lead to an entire body being poor. Yeah, I know that. I've seen people with, with that kind of mouth, and I knew that their whole life was poor. Yeah? And that's exactly what Jesus said in Matthew 12. In fact, he said that your tongue tells everyone who you really are doesn't it? James continues by saying that even if you're mostly good, the tongue will show that you're mostly bad. And it only takes one statement to do it. He, he lastly says that hell, get this, controls it. Hell is what controls whether you're determined good or bad. Yeah, it does. Because you can be mostly good and say something terribly wrong, and guess what? You're judged based on that one statement. Every time. And where did that one statement come from? It didn't come from God. So who controlled it? Well, hell did. Satan did. And so I began to think, well, who's behind that? (laughs) Kind of obvious, isn't it? And you know what's interesting to me? You know who controls it? The one who's definitely going to spend time there. (laughs) How's about that? I know he's going to be in hell for eternity. Do you know that? Well, of course he did it. Did you know that only God? Can tame the untamable tongue? I know that because he's the one who had to tame mine, and sometimes I don't, I don't let him tame it very well. And when we accept forgiveness and we receive salvation, the process of taming the tongue begins. Trust me, I know. Because if you knew me before I became a Christian, I used poor language as an art form. And I was good at it. I found new and exciting ways to use poor language. And somebody once told me, I was in a McDonald's one time, and I would just, and it was just casual conversation with somebody, and, and I didn't even realize how poorly I spoke. And this guy walked up to me, and he said, he said, he said let me ask you something, that's okay. And we were, he's talking to both of us. He said, uh, you guys seem to be intelligent guys. No, oh, I, I, th- I think we are. He said, did you know that a, he, there, there's a family sitting over here uh, with some children, and you might not have noticed it, but they got up and left before they were finished because I'm pretty sure that the mother didn't care for the language you guys were using. And I didn't even notice them. And he said, you know, there, there's something I want you to do if you're an intelligent person. And the next time you have a conversation, take every single one of those poor words out, and I assure you two things are going to happen. You're going to say more with less, and your conversation will make much more sense, and you can say way more than you ever did before. Take them out. And you know I did that. He was right. But you know what, friends, I found? You can try to do it on your own, but the problem here is that the process doesn't really begin until the heart is changed. That's what really changes it. Because people that don't have a heart change but try to clean up their mouth on their own, well, they slip once in a while. In fact, they slip a lot more than they want to. Especially if you get them all excited. Okay? Yeah? Get them fired up and see what happens. Right? <laughs> I sit there and smile at them and do it too. Okay? And I'm not saying that the heart hasn't been changed. What I'm saying is it doesn't need to be there. Okay? So when the heart is changed, it's more difficult for the tongue to continue in its evil ways. And when it says and does things that ought not to be said, it's usually at a time. When we're angry, we're hurt, or we're trying to hurt. Have you ever noticed that? It's almost always emotional when it happens, and usually at a very weak moment. And I've even said it myself. There, there are very few times I would ever lose control and say something like that, but it happened today. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. Remember the words of Christ in Luke 6.45, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Now, that's, not, that's what the Bible actually says, not what the cliche was earlier. Remember? Okay? And yet, it's totally inconsistent for Christians to misuse the tongue. It's totally inconsistent. The same tongue, James says, can praise God and then curse God in the same sentence. Because when you curse those that were made by God, that's exactly what you've done. And James says, well, this is absurd. It's like, The same spring sending out fresh water and salty water at the same time, or a fig tree producing olives and on and on. It just can't be done. And so I began to realize that good and evil, friends, cannot coexist. Good and evil cannot coexist. Now, listen, I know we've been at this almost 50 minutes now, or whatever it is, John. Okay? And I know you're ready to be done. But I want you to hear me. Good and evil cannot coexist. Did you hear that? And you will find scripturally that I am 100% right. Good and evil cannot coexist. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6.45 in the easy uh, reader's version, you are not the same as those who don't believe. You hear me? So don't, don't join yourselves to them. Good and evil Do not belong together, neither can they exist together. Light and darkness cannot share the same room. Did you hear that? And yet, we see these bumper stickers out there that say, Coexist, and they're written from symbols depicting the world's religions. Now, when I first saw it, I thought, Oh, that's nice. And then I began to realize what symbols were on it. And I began to realize, at first glance, that it seems logical and it seems right. It's, it's I mean, it's, it's reasonable, isn't it? Maybe, but it's misguided. If there's only one true God, and if Jesus Christ is part of the Trinitarian true God, and if Jesus is an exact representation of the Father and the only true God, and no one comes to the Father, the one true God, except through Jesus Christ, then the other religions are false religions with false gods. Now, tell me where in here you can dispute that. So either your religion is based on this or something else It's either here or it's something else And that's why we cannot coexist. If we're not going to an eternity. You understand that, right? You can't. Cannot be done. No, they cannot coexist. They want eternity and they can't now, and neither can an evil tongue coexist with a righteous heart. It can't be done. Amen. And as our worship team comes, here's my question. What is controlling the tongue? What is it? What is controlling the tongue? Is it you? Is it Satan? Or is it God? And every one of you better sit up in your pew, and you better answer the question right now. Who is controlling your tongue? Is it you? Is it Satan? Or is it God? And you better make the decision, because those are the only options you have. And if you really want to get real about it, if you really want the truth, and if you really want to boil it down to the lowest part, let me tell you this. You only really have two choices. Because you aren't in the equation. Because something is influencing you. It's either God or it's Satan. When Christ returns, you'll be either found in or out. Well, you're a legalist. No, I'm not. That's the truth. In or out. There is no such thing as the middle of the road. Middle of the road is out. Jesus told the church at Philadelphia, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I wish you were the hot or cold. But as it is, you're untasteworthy. In or out. Who do you belong to? Who controls you? You tell it by what comes out of here. Every time. And if you don't do it today, you'll do it tomorrow when you get excited and slip. I promise you. Who rules you? Now, you might start evaluating what the tongue is doing by your answer. You see, my friends, the tongue is very small, but it's also very powerful. It can do tremendous damage, or it can do tremendous good. Which do you prefer it does? I used to like it that it did damage. But I don't want to do damage anymore. And since Christ began to change my heart, I haven't wanted to to do damage. Because it doesn't build anybody up, and it certainly doesn't make me feel better after I've hurt someone. I used to think it would, but it never does. And again, doesn't the devil tell you things and make you believe things and you find out it's false? That's one of them. Well, get them back. Why? It's not going to make you feel better once you do doesn't change anything. But what will make you feel better is if you don't let it bother you anymore and your eyes are focused here. That'll change. Friends, again, there's no such thing as the middle of the road. I know it's another lie that people believe. And if it's a lie, it can't be the truth. Only God is good, and therefore only God is truth. Yes? Joshua told the Israelites that they would have to choose whom they would serve, and they're going to have to do it that day. And I'm telling you the same thing. I'm not I'm no Joshua but I'm telling you choose you this day who you're going to serve Master me in my house we're going to serve the Lord